Today we have Ellis Hammond on the show. Are you looking for some inspiration to achieve your goals? Ellis Hammond is a successful real estate investor who achieved success by staying consistent and never giving up. In this episode, he talks about the importance of investing in the right vehicle. Money flows to value and the power of mindset. If you're looking for some inspiration to achieve your goals, then this is the podcast for you. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Ellis Hammond before we start the show. Ellis lives in California. He went from being a college pastor to owning over $100 million in multifamily real estate. He had to work very hard to develop a reputation in the multifamily industry, and he points to his never giving up attitude as a major factor in making it happen. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Ellis Hammond here with us. Ellis, appreciate you coming on the show. Ah, finally, man. We made it happen. Excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. It has been a while, for sure. Um, Well, just a little bit on how we know each other, and then we'll get into it. Um, This is the first time that Ellis and I are actually talking. We've we've corresponded, you know, through uh, email and through instant messaging and it's taken a while for us to get here, but we're here we are. And I, and I know of Ellis from social media. He's all over the place. Um, he talks at conferences. He's got a lot going on. So I'm very interested in this conversation. Um, with that said, Ellis, can you just share with the listeners how many properties and how many units you're currently invested in? You told me you were uh, going to ask me that, so I went to go pull that up. Uh, honestly, man, because we've been growing. It so was fast not a surprise I, question, right? <laughs> I had to uh, I actually was like, oh, well, let me. I actually don't know. Uh, we own just ballpark it, man. Uh, no, I'm looking at it right here. We actually just sent out a, a new packet: 817 units, 124 million, 550 thousand. How's that for an answer? Awesome, 817 units. Um, so. You know, there, we have people on the show that have, you know, thousands of units um, and people on the show that are just getting going. Um, but, you know, you come from a, a unique background. You're the first person I've had on the show that comes from this background. So can you share with the listeners your background and why you made the shift? Yeah, it is crazy, man, to look at that and say 817 units, $124 million. That's been about three years. Um, of really, really hard work and really consistent, massive action. Because before that, I was a full-time college pastor. Um, Did you guys hear that? A college pastor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like true. I mean, I mean, my family, you know, owned a boat shop growing. I was, you know, that's about my entrepreneurial experience. Don't really, I mean, I don't have any of my family in our deals. Um, very few of my friends or former network in our stuff. You know, my whole network was 18, 19 year olds, man. I mean, that's what it was, you know, and, and I really had to build this from scratch. And so, you know, but we just, we wanted to accomplish something massive. I mean, just to give. So anyways, I say that first of all, if anyone's listening and you're like, well, I, I'm trying to get their turn on the active side it's possible. You can absolutely do it, you know, and it just takes consistent action and it takes making connections and building your network and, you know, recreating that identity. We were able to do it. It's not come easy though. I can say that. I I would say this, you know, I think there's been several times where like 
I've been almost completely out of money. <laughs> and like, I think, <laughs> is that right? People, most people, well, the, fun, the nice thing is I've, I've never been with money. So it's been, I'm okay with it in the sense that, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I was a missionary. I never had money, man. So uh, that, that's not a big deal, but I, I think the difference is, I was just telling my wife this last night, cause we've recently had some great momentum and there's some big rewards coming our way because of that. And, and we were just kind of celebrating that dinner last night. And I just told her, I was like, you know, one day I'm going to be able to kind of tell these stories of we've almost been broke, really broke, like bad broke, not know how to pay our bills broke three times. And I would say most people just don't stick with it long enough. You know, like they, they would have given up already. And I think right. that's the difference. You know, are you okay in terms of being an entrepreneur to stick with it, man? Because it's just it's very, very difficult. And and maybe it's because I'm a bad entrepreneur. I was a bad entrepreneur early on and I didn't quite know all that I was doing. So maybe not every everyone's journey has to be that. But, you know, for me, it did, man, because I, I didn't know very, I didn't know much. Like I didn't know how to really build and create a business and run a team and, and how to, you know, build a, a sales cycle and all of these different things. And, um, and, and so that, that's, that's a huge part of it. And to, I to think, I think that's, uh, you said a lot of great things there. One, you know, don't, a lot of people don't stick with it long enough. Um, you know, I went to a conference in California um, called Secret Knock and the guy who puts that on is Greg Reed. He, he's also an author and one of his books is Three Feet from Gold. You know, so he knows a lot of people that have, you know, billionaires, you know, and, and multi, multi, multi-millionaires. And a lot of people say the same thing you just said. You know, they just stuck it out long enough. You know, they just kept plowing forward. And, um, you know, that's something I also say to, to people that reach out to me about getting into the business. I'm like, Look, you know, whether you, I joined a mentorship group, I don't, I don't know if you've been in a group or not, but, you know, there's people that will just stroke a check and then they expect it just to happen for them. And I tell them, save your money, you know, because that gets you in the door, but you still have to fight, kick and scratch, you know, to, to get the first deal done, to make your way. So talk about you know, building from scratch. I mean, I think that that's, that's huge. Like one, you had to have mindset that you believed in yourself. Yeah. I, so Did I you? Because <laughs> like a lot of this is, has very little to do with real estate. And, and I think that's the point that I hope everyone can get out of this. Like all my partners know way more about real estate than I do. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, I'm just the guy who's like, I'm relentless in what we're trying to accomplish. I am pushing everyone as hard as I can to get there. And so it has like our success, no doubt. And my partners would agree on this has a lot to do with me as at the head without them, we would not be there either. Right. So we need each other. But my point is like, I'm, I'm not the big experienced real estate guy. I'm just the relentless leader. Who's like, I believe that we can do this how hard do we got to push? I won't let us give up. And if so, I just want to encourage you to listen, like you don't need decades of real estate experience or entrepreneurship experience to figure this out. You just can't give up, you know, and that's, if, if there's a message in this today, that's it. Um, and I definitely think that comes from faith, man, my faith in God, my faith that, you know, my identity is not tied up in what we accomplish. Like I'm very, very secure in who I am because of my faith in Christ and because of that, I just want to do something massive. Like I feel, why would we not? If, if God is our creator and we're made in his image, like why would we not try and go do something big? What else do we have to lose, right? Like I know where my, my eternity rests. Like I, I don't really want to just pedal down here. You know, I want to be able to, to have something to present with the gifts and the talents that I've been given. And, and a lot of that came when I was a college pastor how I even got here, you know, I went into ministry for many reasons that were good. I wanted to help people. I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to see lives changed. But I also went into ministry, man, because my parents divorced at 10. When I was 10, my dad and mom always fought about money. 
Um, it was always the issue. I was always the mediator. Uh, my dad retired when he was 40, had a couple of bad business transactions after that, and just complained and worried about money until he died when he was 55. Wow. Young. And so to be honest with you, man, I just didn't want anything to do with money. Like I just hated it. I, I just thought I was a bad steward of it, steward of it. I thought it just destroyed relationships. So I just didn't, I just, you know what I mean? Like I was like, what can I do that? Like, I don't have to worry about money and I'm just so naive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, about four years into our ministry, one of the young men on my team who had graduated from the college who would who's now come on our staff team. We were all, so we were kind of like missionary style, right? Where we were raising all of our funds to support our nonprofit. And so I remember about four years in, man, we had been building this team at a ton of momentum, but I could feel like there were some constraints and some financial hiccups coming our way. And he just came to me and he said, Ellis, I, I don't have enough money this month to buy groceries. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks because I just there was literally nothing I could do to help him because I was barely raising enough support because I wasn't, you know, I, I was uncomfortable asking people for money because I didn't like it. So I was asking people for twelve hundred dollars a year, you know, like which is funny to think that we've raised six million dollars in the last six months, you know, and now I was scared to ask for twelve hundred dollars um, back then because it was a terrible money mindset. And that's when I realized that we, I cannot spend the rest of my life ignoring money because here was a guy who wanted to live his life for a great purpose. And the only thing that was really stopping him was capital and access to capital. And so that was just a turning point for me. And I think if anything, that's one of the reasons why I just haven't given up because I'm like, we have a lot to do. And if I give up, you know, what about all these guys are trying to help? What about all these people dependent on us? So, you know, you, well, you can't give up. Um, and I think that, you know, Grant Cardone is a mentor of mine. You know, he says most people um, just aren't motivated enough. You know, you give up on your goals because they're not big enough. That's what he says. And I, I so resonate with that. Like if you just have a, a small goal and it only really benefits you in your personal situation, is that really going to keep you motivated when things get really, really tough? Like when your wife is saying to you, hey, Ellis, why don't you just go get a job that, you know, the one that you trust, the one that you love, the one that you hope is going to be there through thick and thin. And she's like, you know, maybe it's time to start thinking about just going and getting a job. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> tail between oh, your legs. My friend. You right. know, it's like right. the one yeah. I need, that's not what I need to hear, you know? And so are you going to be motivated to say, no, no, thank you for your suggestion. I know you care about our family, but that would be like death, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and, uh, you know, is, is, is your motivation big enough to carry you through the moments like that? And I, I think most people answer is no, because they haven't dreamed big enough. Yeah, that's huge. Um, the other thing I, I would, I'd like to get your take on, you know, coming from your background is, so I've sat in church, you know, where I think the, you know, I hear the pastor talking about, you know, some kind of community event, people are going to go and, clean up garbage or, you know, rake lawns in the, in the neighborhood. And, and for one reason or another, I just never like felt like that was something I, I really felt strongly about doing in terms of service, but the syndication world, I'm like, you know, I don't know if everybody looks at this way, but I look at it as serving. Like, you know, you, you bring in all these investors and you help grow the wealth of all these families. My first syndication deal had 44 limited partners. Well, you know, we more than doubled money. Like, well, that is growing the wealth of all those families. They have different needs. Some is to go to college. Some is, you know, maybe buy a new car or go on vacation. But I look at that as service. The other side of it is, you know, the residents. You're improving the property. And so you're serving those, those tenants by providing them a better place to live. Um, so what's your take on that? Going from being a college pastor and look, you are serving and part of that service, you even said it was, you know, getting paid very little to do it. Um, but you're serving in one way and now you're doing it in the business sense. You know, um, do you look at it as, as service? 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, you know, one of the, the money, I wrote a book um, called The Mission of Multifamily. You can get it for free right now, actually, if you just go. I, I don't promote, I, I, you know, give your audience to it. It's called. I no, go give is, it. No, hey, it's free. You're giving out a gift, yeah, man. Tell, you, tell yeah, people where they can get it. You can get a copy it. of it, missionofmultifamily.com, www.missionofmultifamily.com. So I write, I wrote this. Honestly, I wrote the whole book in a weekend, man, because I'd been saying it so much that it just flowed out of me. Um, and uh, and one of the things I talk about in that book is the my money mindset and what the things that I had to overcome in order to get to where I am today. And one of those things was that money flows to value. And, you know, the church is and has been an awful example of really helping entrepreneurs understand this principle where most of what you said is kind of fear-based in terms of money. Um, mostly because it's taught by pastors who never had any money either or only had negative experiences with money. And so there's never really any good teaching around like wealth creation and money. So one of the things you're right, man, money flows to value and those who can create value in the world are typically very successful. I mean, look at Elon Musk, look at the Jeff Bezos's, look at Apple, Steve Jobs, right? Like regardless of what you think about the, them as an individual, the reason they're freaking rich is because the entire world uses their products. You know what I'm saying? Like they've, they've created massive value for the world. So if we change the conversation from not how much money should you make, but how much value should you create? Well, then anyone regardless of their faith, regardless of their religious beliefs would say, well, as much as we should, well, as much, or as much as we can create right. value. Right. I mean, that's a no brainer. And so then if you connect, well, then money flows to value. Well, then those who create more value are also going to make more money. And so, yeah, yeah that, from your question, the service standpoint, yeah, man, that's what we're in the business of doing, right. Is like, how do we add value to our investor base? Well, we provide them an alternative option to really build and create significant wealth. As a matter of fact, I think I can probably help you retire a decade or earlier than you ever would in a traditional wealth building approach, hands down. Um, and then from our tenants, you know, like we, we, I believe, and the reason I know this is true because I walk deals all the time and it is shameful to see how much Owners and operators overlook the small details that really impact people's lives. I rent. I live in San Diego. We sold our place because someone paid us ridiculous amounts of money. So we rent. And so it would, it's important to me when I walk outside to take my dog for a walk that there's not trash laying all over the ground, right? That it's safe, that it's well lit, that there aren't homeless people on the side of the street, right? Out in front of my place. And it's amazing how many people as an owner, don't care about that, right? And don't realize you own someone's home. And I think we at Symphony take that very seriously. And so when we're walking deals, that's, I'm looking for that. I'm paying attention to that. What do we need to fix? What can we change? What, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because I realize I don't have to just answer to my investors at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I got to give them a great return, but ultimately I got to answer to God. <laughs> and I, that, that's way more important than a 15 to 17% return. Does that make sense? Sure. And I think that's really significant. You know, and, you know, some of the, um, sometimes you just be walking the property and a tenant will, you know, know that you're one of the owners and just walk up and say, thank you. Yeah. Thank, you know, and you're like, thank you for what? And then they, they'll tell you, you know, the little things that you did that have changed their lives, you know, that for the better. So, um, it, it really does happen. Yeah, so, I'll give a great example. You know, we, we bought a couple of deals in Kansas City now, pretty distressed assets. One deal we owned, or the woman before it owned, owned it about 30 years. And we had a couple of investors kind of worried like, hey, you know, in order for us to, I mean, here, everyone, there's no and ifs or, and ifs or buts about this. When we buy a deal, we got to raise rents, man. You know that. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Rents got to go up, you know, for us to make money in this business. And I think a lot of investors can have issues with that. And buying a very distressed deal or rents probably need to go up significantly. It's like, well, what about the current existing tenant base? And so a lot of folks maybe didn't invest in that deal with us because they knew, hey, we're going to come in there. We're going to have to clean this property up. And those who just kind of want to hand out are probably going to have to leave. 
And so what's interesting though, we took that deal over. We had eight people illegally living there that just completely picked up shop and left. So all of a sudden we had eight units vacant. We had the property owner who was literally, or the property manager stealing from the owner. He was running a furniture store out of one of the units. So now all of a sudden we have nine. And then, you know, like over the first two weeks or something, like three more people ended up moving out. So all of a sudden we were a hundred percent occupied that everyone was worried about. We were to kick out to now we're 75% occupied. And, uh, and so we got to work renovating those 15 units. And, you know, as we started doing that and cleaning up the exterior painting, putting in new carpets, right. New exterior lighting, making sure it's really safe. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden we started getting calls from current residents who are saying, Hey, uh, we, can I get on the waiting list to move into those new units? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I think that's the story that doesn't get told enough is like, man, people really want a nice place and a safe place to live and are willing typically to um, pay to be able to afford that. And by the way, our rents were still like under 900 bucks. So it's not like we came in and, you know, Jack rents up a ton. I mean, we still made it very affordable. My point is that money flows to value. <laughs> and so that's the, that is what we do in the business. If we create enough value for people that they see that I'm willing to pay for that because there's enough value tied to that, then that, that should be our goal. And, um, and the rest will kind of work itself out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, now there's some benefits. Like when I, took over i remember i had a bunch of syndicators tell me hey darren man once you close you're gonna have a bunch of people that are gonna move out i'm like ah no it's not gonna happen you know and sure enough it did it's kind of similar you know occupancy dropped you know more than i thought it was going to um but the benefit was we were able to renovate all those units and get new tenants new paying tenants in quicker so instead of it being phased in over say six months you know that we had all these units available we turned them, you know, in three, four weeks and got new tenants in there. They were paying. And then we, you had that revenue for a lot longer um, through, the, through the year. So it can feel scary, you know, at first, um, you know, but then it could end up turning out to be a good thing in the end. Yeah, 100%. So another thing, you know, you mentioned fear. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about this, with, you know, for listeners and, and you, you have a faith you know, um, based background, you know, one for your, what you were doing, um, in addition to just your personal values. Um, but I think that, I think God has given all of us like unique, you know, talents and capabilities and, and we all have a gut feel and there's just so many people out there, I think that have that gut feel that they want to take a chance you know, whether it's real estate investing or starting their own business or somehow providing that value that you're talking about, right? You know, providing that value back to other people, but they're scared to take the step and they stay in what they think is the safe zone, you know, their W-2 job. And look, some people love their W-2 job and that's that's great. Um, but then there's others that I know that just go on year after year and are unhappy. So, you know, how did you make that shift? Um, you know, because I think that that's so important for people to be able to, to take a chance, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's probably less important how I did it and what's replicatable for how others can do it. I think, you, you know, step one is, you know, pick the right vehicle. Um, our first deal was a duplex and we would never be where we are today if we'd have stayed buying duplexes. And, uh, and so picking the right, let me, let me jump in. You may not be where you are either. If you didn't buy that first duplex. It's true. Right. No, I mean, I some learn, well, what I'm saying is some what people I'm have to take today, an action though, step. Yeah. hundred percent. Right? But maybe the action step can be just listening to this podcast so I can save <laughs> you from the heartache that I went through. Cause I think that's part of it, right? Is you want to pick the right vehicle. How do I know it's the right vehicle? Well, you make sure you have good mentors and people you're listening to, to tell you what the right vehicle is, because what I just did is, was the first thing that I could get into. And it was a duplex. And like I said, it got me to where I am today. But my point is, is it was never the right, it wasn't the right vehicle. And if I had someone kind of shown me, because here's the thing, nine months later, I bought my first 144 unit apartment building. So it wasn't that I, 
nothing changed except I just had new knowledge, <laughs> you know, like my network was still the same. I just knew something better. I, I learned a different vehicle. And so is the vehicle that you're picking, is it scalable? Have, has it been proven in the sense of are other people, you know, using this vehicle to get the type of results that you want to get to? And, you know, that's a really good question if you're trying to start out is, am I picking the right vehicle, right? And are other people um, proven that this is something that works? You know, real estate, large commercial real estate is a very proven vehicle that works. You know, I'm doing it and Aaron, you're doing it. We know so many other people doing it. And so, you know, picking the right vehicle is really, really key. And then, yeah, I mean, I, you you said this already, like finding a good mentor or plugging into a great network. I think, you know, we run a mastermind called Kingdom REI for faith-based investors and leaders. And, you know, the thing I get the most is like, well, I, I don't, I'm not there yet. Why would I spend thousands of dollars to join a mastermind or community or coaching? And just to tell you my story, I knew I found the vehicle, commercial real estate, but the problem was I knew I didn't have a network. I didn't have good mentors. How was I going to go do this? I looked at my wife and said, Hey, I need to spend the money now in order to get to where we want to go. We had $10,000 in the bank. I said, I need all of it. I need all of it. And I need to put it in my network, my education and mentors, because the network we have around us today will never get us to where we want to go in the future. And so we took that 10 grand and, and I just spent it on events, conferences, mentorships, masterminds, whatever I could. And some stuff I just, I blew it on bad stuff, but it taught me that I'm, I'm, I was still investing in myself, right? I think that's what most people are worried about. Like, oh, I don't want to spend this 5K or this 10K because what if it's the wrong thing? Who cares? Like, because the reality is if you really want to get to a million dollars a year in revenue and you're worried about 10K today, like you, you're the, the mindset is off, man. Like who yeah. cares about 10 K, you know, you're making a million dollars a year in three years. Um, and so that's, that was my, you know, that's what I did. And the next year I made $144,000 um, off of that 10 K investment. And the following year after that, I bought a hundred million dollars in multifamily real estate. So, you know, I just, I knew it would work, because, but I had to go put other people around me. And so I think that's like step number two is invest now unless you want to kind of figure it out yourself and take 10 years. But if you're, if you live life with urgency, which I hope most people do, and I'm sure if they listen to the podcast, they do, you don't have 10 years to waste, man. So if your goal is to make a million dollars a year, let's say, why are you worried about spending 10K today? Even if that's tight, because you need to start acting like you're making a million dollars a year today in order to get there in three years. And really the best way to do that is to put yourself around people who are already making a million dollars a year. Because for example, today I am making an offer. I want to make a counter offer. We have a counter offer in our inbox for a $48.7 million multifamily deal in Dallas, Texas. Darren, in full transparency, I do not have the $14 million of equity <laughs> to be able to purchase this deal. But you know what I have? And I have, that's why I've been on the phone all morning, phone calls after. I know who to call, right? I know who to pick up the phone and give a call. And guess what? They pick up my phone. Why? Because I spent the money to get their attention. Like that's the only reason why I've spent six figures last year joining masterminds education to be able to be able to be in this spot. I was just taking a walk earlier. I'm like, you know what? If we can get this deal, like this is the culmination of all of this. Now it will be the first step and there'll be multiple, but this is what I'm saying. Like, this is the culmination of now I know who to pick up the phone to and call to try and take down a $48 million asset. I'm it's a huge mind, dude, when I close on this $50 million deal, because first off, if this deal was on market, every institutional buyer would be trying to buy this deal. And I'm going to walk in there, former college pastor, never bought in the, in the city of Dallas and take down an asset that everyone wants their hands on. And, and I'm going to get someone's attention. And that's the whole goal, you know? And so uh, it's really, it's a, it's a really exciting time. And I, I share all, I share that story to be like, but we had to get really uncomfortable early on my only 10 K. What else do I got to lose? I'm only 10, I only have $10,000 in the bank. 
what I'm doing right now currently isn't working. Like, let's spend all of it to be in a new financial situation. And that's, um, that's huge, that's, man. That's the strategy, man. Spend it all today. Because if, if you look at your bank account, you're not happy with it, spend it. Because that's what's keeping you from the next level. When you you're say so spend it, I, I would maybe change that word to be invested, invest, invest in yourself, you sure. know, because you, know, you don't want to go out and buy clothes, you know, like in, and, 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 and you know, fancy meals. Like most people are trying to manage $100,000. Right. When that's your biggest barrier. To, that's your, that's your, that $100,000 sitting in the bank is your ceiling because you're so worried about what to do with $100,000. Dude, forget the $100,000. Get rid of it. Invest it. Go do something with it. And then, and then start, you know, figure out, okay, now I got zero. <laughs> you know, now what? But you've put that 100 into things that are going to accelerate you faster. And I've been there, man. Even, even now, like now that we have some more money in the bank, like I look at that, like, oh, okay, cool. We we got some money coming in. You know, it's it it really is. It's still a ceiling. It's like, oh, well, now that I got some money to manage. Should I start managing this money? How do I invest this money? And I I lose that edge of like I'm nowhere near where I know we can be. Forget the hundred couple hundred thousand dollars we have sitting on the sideline right now. You know, it's like we got we got new new targets, new ceilings. So. Hope I'm making sense, man. Because I feel like I'm. You just, totally this, are. This I mean, is the stuff though that like only really comes out on a live interview. That I don't really like. You know, no one will really listen to this. Like my family's not going to listen to this. My wife barely listens to this. So hopefully, this is speaking to somebody. Because if you're like me, and I know some people like this are listening, it's so possible, man. It just is all right here between the ears. And if you can fix this, and you really truly have faith, um, or someone just has faith in you. You, you can do it, man. It's possible. That's a crazy story. So, you know, I, I'm older than you. I'm 51 and, and I got involved like four years ago. So I had the capital and I think it's great for, you know, and we have listeners that are just, you know, passive investors that are looking to grow. And then we have syndicators that are looking to scale. Um, but, you know, it's important for people to understand that, look, Ellis had $10,000. You know, it wasn't like a lot of people think to get in this game, you have to have, you know, a million dollars or $500,000, you know, to, to get into the game. And really, you said it on the head is, is in between your ears, you know, your mindset that you believe that you can add value is, is huge. And you focused on the part of the business you know, where you had skills, yeah. where you had skills, you didn't, and you weren't lacking. So you, you, you doubled down on your strengths rather than focusing on your weaknesses. And then you yeah. just partnered with people, you know, that, that had the other things that you needed. That's exactly the strategy. And that's what we, you know, even inside of Kingdom REI is what we help folks do is like, forget trying to learn the whole business. This business is very, very simple. And it comes down to two things. It comes down to finding deals or raising capital. And that's it. Like figure out which one you want to do. And you can be very, very successful and very, very wealthy if you can get good at one of those two things. And if you're going to pick deals, make sure you have someone lined up to buy that deal. Right. If you're going to be an invest, if you're going to go raise capital, then make sure you have opportunities to bring that capital too. And uh and so I knew which one I was going to focus on when I got started. And the nice thing is now that we're, you know, a couple of years into this, we're, we can raise the money, we can manage the money, we can communicate the story. Now we can go find deals and now we can operate those deals, right? And so that's, you know, that's why we have access to the deal I was telling you about earlier. But yeah, early on, you know, trying to figure out this whole business, it'll take you a lifetime to learn this business, man. You, you know, keep, like it, 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 just, keep, it really You keep will. learning. Why, why do you think that this is the right vehicle? Well, it's just proven. I mean. It's proven that it's many, like so many people have done it. Like my point is when I walked, so I didn't tell you the story, but I walked into when I was a pastor, I was like, how do I do this? And, um, I, you know, I was just open. I was finally open. I'm like, okay, I'm looking for opportunity. And I heard a radio ad 
And it said, if you want to learn how to build wealth through real estate, come to this seminar. And like, who, who, you know what I mean? I learned that. And you floated, you floated there. Come on, baby. I'm going. Yeah, literally, man. And like, (laughs) that's where I realized like the radio ads are for, for desperate people. And there's a lot of desperate people out there. And that's why this stuff works. And, um, but what I did, man, I went, you know, I, I don't know if I ever really took them up on that offer, but I went and it was the first time that I saw with my own eyes, regular people didn't come from big money, not institutional, building buku's amount of money, wealth through real estate. And I was just like, if these jokers can do it, <laughs> you know, like I, I can figure this out. And I, I think that's why I'm convinced because I've seen other people do it. Um, you know, it's it's not going anywhere. The more, you know, I questioned multifamily syndication for a long time when I got started because it didn't seem very predictable uh, because it's hard to find deals and we're in a very competitive market right now. But the more I've learned is this is like, we were in the wrong markets. They weren't very transactional. Um, we didn't know enough people. We didn't really know what it meant to go find deals. Now I realize there's opportunities everywhere. There's capital everywhere. And if you're, if you're doing, you know, if you're in it and you're and you're seeing enough opportunities and the right people showing you opportunities and enough people know you, like, it's just constant, man. We're so busy. I mean, we're making an LOI a week right now on deals that we're like, we would love to buy that project. And so, like I said, just it don't give up. It looks hard. It looks difficult. I mean, I really like even even I thought I had the right vehicle, you know, a year and a half in, I'm like, I should have went into like e-commerce or something or marketing, you know, like this is ridiculously, stupidly hard, not making any money. And, you know, I know entrepreneurship is the right way, but maybe I should not do real estate. And, uh, you know, I stuck with it and stuck with it because I saw mentors do where I'm at, you know, and they've not been it for very long. I'm like, okay, that guy's doing it. That guy's doing it. He's there, you know, you know, someone like yourself, like, you know, follow these guys on Instagram. Like, okay, he's doing it. And and I'll, and I'll ask, like, I've asked my mentors, Hey man, how much money did you make this year? Because if they, you know, and I wanted to know that because if it wasn't millions of dollars, I'm in the wrong place. And they would be like, yeah, I made this much. I'm like, okay, that's worth it. <laughs> you know, Right. right. And, Keep uh, going. <laughs> and just staying with it, man. That's it. And, and that's, I mean, to answer your question, that's why we, I know it's the right vehicle because I've done my due diligence. I've asked the right. Yeah. Questions. I mean, I think that, um, a few things, one, you, you went out to you, look, you heard that radio ad and, and as enticing as it was and ha- as desperate as you were at that time, you took a step of action and, you maybe didn't invest in that, but that got the ball rolling. You know, just like when you talked about you bought a duplex and then then nine months later you bought 144 units. Like I tell the listeners, at some point you gotta take action. You know, that action could be go to a free meetup group or go to a multifamily conference or, you know, buy your first real estate deal. Uh, but there's a quote out there that says like 90% of millionaires are created through real estate, you know? And one of the reasons why is because, well, a few reasons why, you know, the, there's so much leverage on the deals. And, and so a bank is providing anywhere from 70 to 80% financing and the equity owners are getting all of the upside. That's huge. Secondly, there's massive tax benefits, you know, that can shield any distributions and, and provide the ability to, you know, roll uh, gains forward tax-free. So massive ways to grow wealth um, that if you're not in the game, you just can't fully understand. Yeah. Um, but once you surround yourself with other people, once you start asking other people like, well, how'd you do it? Then you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick it out. Yeah. So if you're there, like, let me just be really clear. Like, it, this is this is very hard. Like, I would not quit your day job and try and figure this thing out. But what I would do is realize is business in its very simplicity comes down to finding deals or finding money. You can do both. And I would encourage you to start building both. You know, if you don't know anyone with money, then start associating yourself with people with money. Start making, I had to change my identity. People saw me as the pastor not the real estate guy. So how do you change your identity? 
The internet is a great place to change your identity. Associate yourself with people who are where you want to be. Start a podcast. That's what I did. Started. I was only actually it was LinkedIn first, and I just was like interacting with people on LinkedIn. I would ask people for quotes. Literally, I, this is a, this is the grunt work man I did early on. I would DM people on LinkedIn who are in the real estate, commercial real estate industry and said, Hey, I'm doing this challenge. I want to spotlight you on my LinkedIn. Can you provide me a quote for how, you know, for early real estate investors? And they were happy to do it. Why? Because I was giving them free promotion and I would create a quote card on Canva and have a designer back then. And I would put that on my LinkedIn <laughs> and like slowly over time, it's like, Ellis, I see you everywhere talking about real estate. Are you in real estate? You know, it's like, yeah, I am. Here's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I changed my identity, honestly. And now most people really don't know me as a college pastor. They know me as multifamily investor um, who was a former college pastor. Right. But it's if they That's know huge. me as a college pastor, it's just only because they realize, well, look where he's come. It's not, oh, this guy's a pastor anymore. He's he's the real estate guy. And so you can change that. And so, you know, you can start there, but I would say the big thing is, is, you know, aligning yourself with the opportunity. So, you know, finding the deals, great. If you're going to go be a deal guy and you're in a market that is, a, you know, good transactions, you can go find deals, but you're still missing the other link. So you need to, you need to be a part of a community, probably a mastermind, maybe a big coaching program that has investors where it's like, Hey, I've identified the, my investor group. I know these guys are looking for this type of deal and then go find that type of deal. Don't go find a deal and then say, Hey, who wants to buy this? Just start at the wrong place. Line up your investors, line up your capital before you go and try and find deals. And that's, that, really that's, simple. that's smart. Um, a, f a few things on that one. You know, you started doing these, uh, DMS and on LinkedIn, you know, I have people that say like, well, I want to wait until I get my first deal before I start posting on social media. And I'm like, look, there's certain people that can connect with Ellis. There's certain people that will connect with Darren, but there's other people that trust you and, and want actually, they feel more connected to somebody that's just newly going through it than somebody that's been in the business for a while. So, you know, you didn't wait. And that would be my advice to other people is, look, just tell people what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you don't have, you don't have to say that you're an expert right away, but eventually they yeah, come back to you and, and they realize that you have more knowledge than they do. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. People, I mean, share the journey don't stop. Don't, don't wait. Uh, definitely matters. And, and here's the thing. If you're swap, like my mother-in-law is like this. She's like, she, you know, she runs this art gallery. She's, she's doing well, but she could do a lot better if she was any good at marketing. Um, she just doesn't want to pose because she's like, well, I don't want to be on everyone's news feed. And, <laughs> I, and her mindset is a mindset of so many others. It's like, well, I don't want to post bad content. Let me give everyone a tip. If you post bad content, no one's going to freaking see it anyways because <laughs> there's so much content out there that if it's not good, no one cares. Like they right. won't see it because... One, the algorithm won't push it. And, um, and so just keep creating, you know, and that's, so that's probably, fear again, man. I was, I was afraid, man, four years ago, I had no idea what the heck Instagram was. And I remember I, I hired a guy to teach me like how to do it. I couldn't even, I didn't even know how to create a profile. And, <laughs> and he told me you have to post every day. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> I, what am I, what am I going to do? And the first yeah. day I was like, had my finger over that post button and I was scared. And like you said, you know, after you do it, like you just realize that it's not a big deal, right? Yeah. It's not, it really is not a big deal. You're, you're trying to educate other people and um, bring other people into the fold. And, and if, if it's bad content, nobody's going to see it anyway. I love that. Yeah. That's great. And honestly, you know, to go back to coaching, I actually hired a, a content coach early on like that too, man. I hired a guy. I was like, hey, can you help me just build, like help me change my identity on LinkedIn? And I was like, I just need someone to push me. And uh, so I did, I mean, I was paying him like a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a month, which back then was a lot of money. I was, I was still college pastoring, trying to change my identity on LinkedIn. Um, so 
you know, if you're uncomfortable with it, get uncomfortable. You know, you make commitments. I always say this. You make a commitment with either your calendar or with your wallet. And if you're not willing to make, you know, one of those commitments, either put it in your calendar or spend the money on it, probably nothing's going to change. Yeah, I, I hear you. So, look, three years, you guys have been going hard, hard, hard. Any, you know, top one or two learning lessons? Yeah, I mean, you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, you know, we, there's, would you there's do anything level, different? There's levels to this business. Um, would I do anything different? I mean, not really. I, I would just say this, like, it, it's really hard to even set goals and know this business until you're in it. I mean, I just say what I'm learning right now. I mean, I'll give you some great takeaways. I mean, one on the, on the capital side, I've watched a lot of guys kind of grow through syndication, raising through individual LPs. And that's always been like the model. I don't know if that's the best route. I don't know if we'll stick to that. We've been doing that, but dude, there's a lot of private equity and there's a lot of money out there that there's a lot of guys, you know, most of the big buyers in Dallas are not syndicators. There's a ton of business, a ton of syndicators in Dallas. But there's two groups. Um, I'm not going to say their names because I want to be bigger than them one day. But, you know, they're they they're doing a different approach. They got private institutional equity. And most of what I've learned through this business is don't do that because they want more control or they'll take your lunch. And maybe that's true. But if they can help me buy $15 billion of real estate, what the heck do I care? <laughs> you know, and so I don't know. I think there's things that don't there are multiple ways to do this business. And, you know, it's even hard to know that until you get in, but you know, I'm just learning like there, there are multiple equities and honest, multiple equity sources. And the bigger you go, it, the easier it is to find those sources, smaller you play, the less options you have, the bigger you go, the more people you can call. The only reason I'm able to make all these calls right in. I'm getting people to respond because we're going after a $50 million deal in the hottest market in the country. A lot of people who are like, oh, that sounds interesting. If this was a duplex, no one would care. Right. So that so go big and get big as fast as you can because it's a lot easier. Um, from a deal standpoint. So that know, that I I'm in agreement with you, but that goes with the the mindset thing too. A lot of people think that. They have to do the duplex or the fourplex first before they go bigger because their mind will only let them go that big. So, you know, I, I would say two things. If you can't get over it, then just do the duplex and then move on. Um, yeah. if you, but if you can, you can go straight to, to doing 100 plus unit deals. And most people will tell you that it's, it's easier. Again, just pick like the duplex, you do everything. You want to go do a hundred unit deal. You probably can't do that on your own. So you're going to need partners and you're going to need to figure out where you line in the business. Um, so then the other thing we've learned, man, I think I've learned just even recently is on the deal finding side of things. You know, we kind of formed a, a joint partnership with someone who's local to the market broker experience. And they've taught me a ton about what it takes to find deals, you know, and how much you have to see about like, you know, like being on the ground, looking at deals, um, how to underwrite quickly, how to make offers. And I think, you know, from a, for a while, the reason I, like I said, this business isn't very predictable because we just clearly weren't doing enough. You know, we weren't seeing enough deals. We didn't know what a good deal looked like. And so I think that's a big one is, it just takes, and especially in a in a um, competitive environment, you have to look at a lot of lot of stuff. But there's a lot of stuff out there, and if you're consistent and you're making enough offers, you're going to build enough momentum. The key to this, and this is where I messed up early on, is we were making offers in Tucson, and I like Tucson. They got great margaritas in Tucson, but there's just not enough transactions happening in Tucson. So you know, there's about five buyers. That's all in Tucson. And the fifth buyer, you know, they, they bought two deals last year. And so it just goes to show you if the fifth largest buyer in Tucson bought two or three large multifamily deals last year, it's not a big enough market. The things I learned is, you know, not just a vehicle, but make sure, make sure you're picking the right market. And I, so 
I really like a very highly transactional like competitive market. It's why Dallas is a market we really like because people are in and out of deals all the time there. And so there's always a next deal to look at. And, and that's really important. Absolutely. So you're not a, a big time economic uh, guy yeah. from, from a background, but you are in the business. So um, I want to get your take on, all right, we got rising interest rates. We've got rising inflation. Um, what's your take, you know, on how that's going to impact multifamily and commercial real estate going forward? What's interesting though, I, again, you're right. I'm not an economist, but I talk to a lot of people and I got to convince a lot of people to give me money, uh, even within all this right. happening. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, and, I, and here's the thing, we're, we have to protect our capital. And that's the most important thing. And I'm not, we're not doing stupid stuff. So a great example, we just closed on our Kansas City deal. We got a five-year note, fixed interest, four and a quarter. So we got fixed debt, rising interest rates, inflation's at 10%. We're going to make a lot of money on that deal, right? Feel good about being fixed into that deal. However, I'm not a big fan of fixed interest rate. Like I like floating debt and I'm okay with it. You know, if you look at historical data, historical trends, about 3.1 years after the Fed rises interest rates is about how long it takes for interest rates to drop back below to where they were. I mean, it's not, you look at from a history standpoint, interest rates are going down. And are there some things that are happening in the middle of that? Absolutely. Like anything right now, we're in a rising interest rate environment, but come back to this episode three years from now. And I can, according to the historical data, interest rates are going to be lower. It just is true. And so if you have a business model and that's what we're value add multifamily guys do. So interest rates are high right now. Okay, cool. Fine. But we're going to go in there. We're going to make sure we run a stress test on our cap rates, make sure we're covering our cash flow. But at the same time, we don't really care, right? Because we're, we're flipping units. We're increasing uh, revenue through our value add strategy. And then in about two or three years, when we're ready to exit this deal, okay, interest rates have probably settled down and there's another buyer ready to come take down this deal. So as long as we've stress tested our plan right now to, hey, if interest rates go up 200 basis points, well, the, our lender is going to make us buy a cap, cap insurance anyways. So, you know, we're going to have to go spend a lot of money, $500,000 to make sure, you know, we, you know we, we cap our rate. And then we're just going to go execute our business model, right? And then in three years, when we're ready to exit this deal and things have settled down, then there'll be another buyer ready to go. So that, that's how I see it. I do think it's it's something to pay attention to. It's really key in underwriting. You know, you want to make sure that you can cover your debt service. But really, that's the most important thing from an asset, you know, level. Dude, there's so much money that want to be in this and <laughs> that want to be in in Texas multifamily right now. I mean, there's there's institutions, equity groups from all over the world that are trying to, you know, taking 10 year bets on this market. Um, and so, you know, from an asset standpoint, I, I feel great about owning this stuff. I feel great about buying this. Do we need to be weary and cautious and at least in our underwriting, make sure our, we can cover our debt? Right. And, and over the kind of a short term level as we're as we're renovating and doing units. Absolutely. But from a three, five, 10 year level, you know, we're, we're backing up the dump truck, trying to buy as much stuff as we can. Uh, just because from, from a long enough standpoint, you know, we, I mean, just look at the data, man. There's not enough housing. Um, so it gets harder and harder every year to buy a house. More people are renting, more people are moving to Texas. Uh, so, you know, that, that's where we're at right now. That's our thesis. And I think it would be really hard to kind of prove me wrong in that because I'm only just saying what's happening. Um, and if you're worried about interest rates, I think it's hard to be worried about them for longer than about four years because historically, consistently, they go down. Uh, it's all, all great points. Um... Yeah, I mean, look, if with inflation at seven eight percent, if you put a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you just hold it and do nothing with it, then after a year you've got 
92,000 or 93,000 worth of buying power, right? I mean, that's in one year. So it doesn't seem like it makes sense, you know, uh, you hear the term cash is trash, um, to just keep your funds in in the cat in cash, you know, putting yeah. it into, you know, multifamily. Now I think that without having a crystal ball, I'm still bullish um, in the sense that, you know, look, if we do have inflation, and especially if we end up having inflation on the on the salary side, on the wage side, um, people have more money, and and they will. You know, so rents can uh, continue to go up. So you have your revenue going up, but then you know, if you if you fix debt, you have your debt service locked locked in. Even if you have floating rate debt, it's you know significantly less than your top line rent. So you you're going to increase your profitability. Um, the, the question mark is is you know will cap rates go up? Uh, to the point where it eats into all that additional profitability. And, and I don't think anybody knows that, but I think it's still um, an attractive place to be. And I live in Dallas and I see, you know, people are moving here every day and the roads are getting busier. And uh, the town that I live in, Prosper, Texas, it was like 7,000. Now it's like 35,000. Um, I just, like, I, know, I just and, don't see a future where cap rates in Dallas are five ever again. I just be really, really hard to convince me of that, man. I just, it, you know, there's just too much happening there. Um, well, it's it's all relative value, right? So if it it comes down to the you know the ten year, you know the treasuries. Look, if treasuries go up to, you know, four and a half percent, then cap rates are going to go higher than five percent. I mean, because nobody's going to buy commercial real estate take on additional risk when they could buy, you know, treasuries and get that. So it's all going to be relative value, but, um, you know, I have very smart people that think that there's no way that the fed is going to be able to raise rates as much as they are without, you know, damaging the economy. So, and, and like you said, it could go, they could end up doing a few interest rate increases and then all of a sudden they go back, you know, the other way. So, um, yep. Nobody, nobody knows sure that's what, what I, they've done. Right. I mean, and you, you got a great point, man. Who knows what the Fed's going to do? I mean, I think you're right, though. I mean, at, at what cost do they do that? You know, and it's like, I think they've already proven COVID that they don't want to see another 08 or 09. So at what cost do they do this? And, you know, it seems like not at the cost of destroying or wrecking the economy. But I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen crazier stuff. It's true. It's the risk we take. Um. But, we, but you got to put it someplace. You yeah. got to put it someplace. Yeah. And I think that it's a great place to park capital and a great place to build wealth. Um, in addition, you know, to your point about markets, I saw it last, you know, with COVID, like, people, you know, we couldn't, you know, if we had tenants that couldn't pay, we weren't allowed to evict them for a period of time. Um, but if they left in the middle of the night, well, there was a lot of people waiting to move in, right? There's just a ton of people where, where if you're in certain markets and somebody moves out, it may be much more difficult to, to find a tenant. Um, so, hey, what, what's the next big stretch goal for you, man? You, so let's assume that you get this $50 million deal, all right? And, and we're going to get it. Right. So let's assume you get it. Um, what's the next big stretch goal for you? Yeah, no, and we've already in my mind. We've already, you got I, it. I've you got, got it. it. All right, you got the. You you can text me later after you get the yeah, phone call. I was like Darren, I got the deal, <laughs> and I'm gonna know in about eight hours if I got this deal. Um, this will open up a lot for us, no doubt. Uh, you know, I what we're trying to do over the next twelve to eighteen months is purchase a thousand units in in Dallas MSA, and and that's not like just a number on the board for us. That is allows. I think that's enough from what I've studied is very calculated from what I've studied from others. That's enough units that allows us to begin to kind of vertically integrate a few departments like construction and rehab, potentially property management. Um, because those are things according for our business model, we, we need control over, right? We need to be able to control supply of, of materials. We need to be able to control supply and time of, 
of labor. And so, you know, we need to get to a thousand units as fast as possible so that we're not relying on third third party um, and we can begin to kind of take over some of this on our own. So 12 to 18 months, a thousand units. <laughs> you know, what's so great is you think back, man, like you bought a you had $10,000 to start. Then you went and you figured out how to buy a duplex. Now your goal is I'm going to buy a thousand units like in the next year, like in, yeah. in, in DFW. It's, it's crazy what can change once you start hitting some of your goals and you start cha- being around other people and changing that mindset of yours. So that that's awesome, man. I, I look forward to watching that. Hey, what yeah, do you like to do? Go ahead. Come be a part of it, man. Come yeah. be a part of it. I, I, I need partners. I need I need guys in Dallas who understand the market, who can raise money, who can find like come be a part of it. I'm not trying to do this on my own, man. I'm dead. I'm talking to you right now. I'm dead serious. Like, All right, let's do it. Part of that, let's go. I'm, I'm, we're going to do it. Like, there's no doubt we're going to do it. It might take us 12. It might take us 18, but we're going to do it. There's no doubt. And we have people behind us that want to be there. I know people want to be in Dallas. Um, there's money all over, man. And right now what they don't have is guys like us who will do whatever it takes to find <laughs> right. the opportunity. So, right. You Kick, fight, and like, scratch to get the deal, right? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, we're the X factor. So, awesome. Um, well, I'm up for that. So keep me in mind for sure. Um, yeah. What do you like to do outside of work for fun? Yeah, man. We, you know, we live in San Diego. I love this area. We just had a. a we have a one year old little daughter. She's about to turn one. I think so. I heard her earlier. You did definitely. My, my nanny just got back with her. She was crying. So um, she's not feeling very well today. So I, you know, I love I love hanging out with her. My wife and I. Um, just, it's just been a really fun, sweet season, man, to just be parents. So we've really enjoyed that. And I have a golf club in my hand right ah, now. So nice. I, uh, I, I like to go, I don't get to golf enough because of just after we're club. recording this just after master's weekend. So yeah. And I think that's probably why I'm holding my club. Cause I'm like, how much can I, can I get out? I'm literally thinking as I'm doing this interview, okay, what time am I going to finish? What do I have next? Can I get out and play nine? <laughs> so I've kind of got the golf bug right now, uh, is another thing I like to do. Um, so that's, that's a well, good one. for you, man. If you come in, into Dallas, let's definitely play some golf. I, I, I love sure. getting I'll out there. there. I'll be there. We'll, we'll play. Um, how can somebody reach out to you if they want to get to know you better? I know, look, you've got, I haven't even mentioned it, but I mean, you're in multifamily, you've got a podcast, you've got a YouTube channel, you wrote a book, you've got a mastermind, you've done all that in freaking three years. So how does somebody get to know you better? What's the best place to point them to? Yeah, I mean, just be careful, right? Like, because you can already tell from this, get involved in my inner circle, man. Things get disrupted fast. Uh, So, yes, we do have a mastermind. It's it's particularly for faith-minded folks who want to go to the next level as a real estate operator investor. Um, You don't have to have experience. But if you do have experience, great. I mean, we're probably have over a billion dollars of commercial real estate just within our community. And it's where a lot of things happen. So that's that's at the kingdomrei.com. Um, and then my company, Symphony Capital Group, you know, symphonycapitalgroup.com, symphonycapitalgroup.com. We have a contact form there. And if you've heard this, this episode and you're at all interested in being like, just like I told Darren, the invite's open to come build something with us. And uh, whatever that looks like on the deals, on the capital. Um, or as a passive know. investor, right? I mean, some, some yeah, people have. Passive investors. Again, you better get on some deals quick, though, as a passive investor, because I don't know how long we're, that, that's going to be around. But, uh, but we, you know, we want to we build, we want to grow. And so I know, I know personally, just for, we can't do that on our own. And um, so if that's of interest, then symphonycapitalgroup.com. I mean, it's, it's good. That's what I say. Like, get plugged in, you know. And so, if you want to do that with us, great. You can do that with Darren, great. And, you know, the other thing I did, just I don't know how much more time we got, but literally, no when I, that's why, that's why I do podcast shows now because when I didn't know anyone and all I knew where to turn was podcast, everyone that I listened to on the podcast show, I would try and contact them, and I didn't know what I was going to say to them. I didn't have anything to give them or offer them. I was just like, 
I want to know this guy. I want him to know me. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? So like I would literally reach out to every single podcast person or podcast guest that I would listen to. And that's how, you know, a lot of the relationships I have today is because of some of those early conversations. So if you can get on my schedule, I hope, I hope you do. I would love to speak with you. It is kind of hard right now. That's why I don't really, you know, provide just initial here's, here's the contact information, but those are kind of how to get part of our inner circle, the kingdomaria.com or symphonycapitalgroup.com. That's huge. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, listeners, you heard it here, man. He, he started with next to nothing, right? And he's blowing up. So you can too, but you got to take action. You cannot just listen to podcasts and read books, man. You got to get out there, meet people, and actually take a chance. All right, with that, uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.